Welcome to The Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers Tribute Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Lee James of rickleejames.com, and I run the Mr. Rogers Quotes Twitter account found at Mr. Rogers Say. As we again walk into this podcast neighborhood, I want you to know that no matter where you are from, you are welcome here. Every daughter, every son, every tribe, and every tongue in the spirit of Fred Rogers and the life of welcome that he lived, welcome to the neighborhood. Well, today as we begin the show, I want you to know that I realize you don't listen to this show because of my music necessarily, but I did just want to let any of you who may be interested know that today at the time of this release, which is Friday, July 23rd, 2021, I am a musician and I do have a new song that is releasing to all the places where music streams, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon or any of those places or even on Bandcamp at my site, or you can just go to my site at rickleejames.com. The song is called Shine a Light in the Darkness, and it releases today, so I'm kind of excited about that. And if you want to join in that excitement and help celebrate with me, maybe download it, maybe save it to your Spotify account and listen to it later. It's a pretty fun celebratory song, and uh, I'd love to have you join in and celebrate with me. Maybe even share that with a friend. Maybe just a reminder to shine the light in the darkness. I know this world can seem kind of dark sometime. Again, I know you don't listen to this podcast necessarily just for that reason, but for those of you that might be interested, I just wanted to let you to know that uh, today is release day, and it's something that I'm pretty excited about, and I just wanted to let you know about that. So rickleyjames.com, or you can look up Rick Lee James at all those places where music is streaming. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you check out the music video we made on my YouTube page at youtube.com slash rickleyjames. All right, well, that's enough of that for right now. I don't want to make this an advertisement about me because this is a Mr. Rogers tribute podcast, and that's what we're going to make today about Today's episode is inspired because of something that happened in our life recently. As many of you might know, if you've been following what's been going on in me and my family's life, we've experienced quite a bit of loss recently in the last few months and really over the last year. As a matter of fact, I know that everyone over 2020 has experienced loss in some way or another. And I know that that loss is deep for many people. And in some ways, I think many are just coming to understand that loss and coming to deal with it. And one of the things that we lost in 2020 and in 2021 are our pets. We had two dogs, Maggie and Louie, and we lost them. They both passed away, one in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic and one in 2021, just as we started to climb out of it a little bit. We'd had them for many, many years, and it was quite painful. Well, as summertime has gone on, we also experienced some more loss with the loss of a dear family member and my father-in-law, and it's been a hard time, and we weren't quite sure when the time was going to be again, when we would decide to open our hearts and when the time would be ready. 
But as of today, when I'm recording this, we have decided that it's time to welcome some pets back into our home. So as of today, uh, well, really yesterday, we welcomed the first of two pets in. We welcomed a dog in. And today we're going to be bringing a second dog home. Maybe some people would call us crazy, but we love dogs. So we're going to have two dogs in their forever home here again. So today's episode is going to be about pets. And I wanted to share with you some of the writing of Fred Rogers today as a tribute to him and his insights. It's from his book, Mr. Rogers Talks with Parents. And in that book, he writes about pets. And I think there's some very important insights that we can glean about pets in the way that he writes to parents, but it's not just about pets. I think there are some good things that we can glean, even if you're not a pet owner, from just the things that Fred Rogers wrote. So again, maybe you have a copy of this book and you'd like to follow along. Maybe you don't, and maybe you can pretend this is sort of just your drive time audio and you can listen to a book on tape, so to speak. Maybe this is your version of a podcast audible or something. So these are the words of Fred Rogers about pets from his book, Mr. Rogers Talks with Parents. I hope you enjoy what he has to say. Pets. When I was little, and as yet had no sister or brother, I had a dog named Mitzi. She was a brown, wire-haired mongrel, and for a long time, I think she was really my best friend. We learned a lot about the world in each other's company. We explored our neighborhood and beyond, and I remember feeling a little braver whenever she was with me. She made her own discoveries, and I made mine but often we shared them with each other, just as, it seemed to me, we shared times of particular excitement, joy, and sadness. We got scared together when there was thunder and lightning. Sometimes, together, we even got in trouble with my parents. When Mitzi died, I was very sad. For a long time, I played with a stuffed toy dog, pretending it would die, and then come back to life over and over again. Only little by little did I stop playing that game. My friendship with Mitzi was like the friendship that so many children have with their pets. Like so many parents, I'm sure my mother and father thought it was good for me to have a companion such as she. Well, it was good for me. But it was only many years after she died that I began to understand just how good it was and why. No one can really predict exactly what changes will take place when a pet joins the family group, but it's fairly certain that changes will occur, some of them pleasant and some unpleasant. There are good reasons for petless families, especially families with very young children, to begin with simpler and smaller animals such as fish, birds, gerbils, hamsters, guinea pigs, and rabbits. For one thing, these animals are less likely are likely to be easier on the parents because their care is less demanding. But it also may be useful to introduce children to animals that are largely for watching rather than handling, so that they can begin learning in a simple way about the capacities and limitations of animals, about differences between various kinds of animals, 
and about the differences between animals and humans. They can learn about animals' basic needs, and they can practice sharing their responsibility for meeting these needs. They can learn how carefully some animals have to be handled, and they can come to understand to what extent animals do have feelings. Even these small animals offer opportunities for talk about sex differences and about the basic facts of procreation. Being short-lived and less robust than the larger animals, they are almost certain to provide the chance to talk about sickness and death. When you think about it, that's a great deal of learning for a small child to do, and it may seem easier for children to learn some of these through pets that evoke shallower rather than deeper levels of emotional attachment. It seems that the more physical interaction there is between child and pet, and the more directly responsive the pet is, the deeper that emotional attachment is likely to be. Larger animals seem to bring larger problems. Schedules and responsibilities become more urgent, and the disciplinary problems surrounding them tend to become greater. Parental patience seems to get put to greater strain. Issues of ownership among brothers and sisters, as well as rivalries and jealousies over the pet's affections, are often more intense. Safety problems are greater, both for the child and for the pet, and, ups and the upset over a larger pet's death is almost certain to be greater as well. When any of us comes to a new experience, we bring many feelings from the past and from the present. These feelings will significantly determine what we make of that experience. Even a very young child is likely to bring deep feelings to a relationship with a pet. Feelings that may go way back into infancy. One little girl we know had, by the time she was a year old, a really important friend in Lammy, a small, stuffed lamb. She slept with it, loved it, and could make it do whatever she wanted. Lammy often acted as her comforter. That toy lamb was a real part of her feelings, and for quite some time this little girl felt that Lammy was really a part of her. Stuffed animal toys can help older children with their growing, too. Feed Me was an important playtime for one three-year-old boy. This companion was a teddy bear whose mouth opened and closed on a hinge. On the bottom of the mouth, there was a tube leading to a pouch that unzipped from the back. This boy slept with Feed Me, talked to Feed Me. He made Feed Me talk back. He could spend hours giving that toy bear things to eat taking them out, putting them back through the mouth, and taking them out of the pouch again. He seemed to need to play a lot about feelings of feeding and being fed, and about his ideas of where food went when it was eaten. Both these children were forming deep and close associations with an animal friend. Young children have and need a rich fantasy life, that they can call on when they begin to sort out the complex world of reality and their place within it. Our culture, like so many others, makes representations of animals play a very large part in our children's early years. With the neighborhood of make-believe segments in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, we are certainly part of this cultural tradition. Our pretend neighborhood 
inhabited largely by animal puppets, is, we think, a safe place to play about the important and sometimes scary feelings that accompany growing. A pretend place to practice real feelings. Our mail tells us, not surprisingly, that many viewing children identify very closely with one or more of these animal characters. Most of us can think of many animal neighborhoods in nursery rhymes, fairy tales, puppet shows, newspaper cartoons, comic books, films, and other programs. These animals are almost always given human characteristics, speech, humor, a limited range of human emotions, and even human clothes. They are shown as kind or wicked, brave or cowardly, sad, happy, mad, jealous, lonely. Sometimes animals are magically turned into people and people into animals. When a child looks at a live pet, it may seem quite reasonable to him or her to think that there is really a little person inside that bright-eyed, alert, responsive, and affectionate animal companion. Just recently, the five-year-old daughter of a friend of mine asked her mother quite seriously whether Barney, their dog, was her older brother. So it may be that when you bring a pet, when you bring home a pet, your child may be bringing a lot of already animal-related feelings to that pet. You may find the pet at a tea party with your child, or tucked up on a baby carriage ready to go out for a walk, or dressed up in a t-shirt, or being scolded in words that are your own, or being read to, or fed with a baby bottle. Pets can help children in so many ways. One of the most important ways is helping them clarify the difference between fantasy and reality. A child may do a lot of pretending with a pet, but there is only just so far that any pet will cooperate in a pretend situation. Pets, when they wriggle out of an embrace, or pull off of a piece of human clothing, or won't sit still for a lengthy conversation, or refuse some kind of inappropriate feeding, remind children in their own ways that they are real animals and only animals. When a child is working through angry feelings in a pretend situation, or thoughtlessly causing pain, many pets are capable of setting limits very clearly. A pet often serves as a trustworthy repository for a child's feelings of loneliness, sadness, or fear. When adults and friends don't seem to have time to play, a child can usually count on a pet to be a partner in a game. When a child is sad, a pet can usually be counted on to listen. When a child has been scolded and feels bad, a pet will still wag its tail non-judgmentally and remind the child that he or she is still loved. A pet may help a child cope with simple fears, such as a fear of the dark or a fear that there are monsters lurking under the bed. When something really scary happens, like a thunderstorm, pets and children, like my dog and I, may find comfort in comforting each other. Parents need to be closely involved in the relationship between children and their pets. More closely, perhaps, than many parents foresee when they decide to introduce a pet into the family. A major reason for this involvement is to ensure the health and safety of both pet and child. Young children cannot be expected to know what they need to know about beaks and claws and teeth, nor can they be expected to learn all that overnight. 
they too are learning such things as where it's safe to play and where it's not. So naturally, they are not yet able to make those decisions for their pets all by themselves. Nor can young children be expected to take full responsibility for the feeding and cleaning needs of their pets, any more than they can take full responsibility for those things for themselves. But we as parents encourage and teach our children to share in the responsibility of taking care of their pets. We can, at the same time, be helping them learn how to take good care of themselves and understand a little more why we do the things we do out of concern for their own well-being. Pets need to eat regularly and to eat only what's good for them so we control when and what they eat. We try to keep them safe and so we restrain them from running loose in dangerous places. We may get angry and scold them for tracking across the kitchen floor with dirty feet or for jumping on the furniture. Cats and kittens learn to use their litter boxes and we train puppies to use newspaper until they learn to go outdoors. When pets play with things that are not toys and could get damaged, we stop them. When we chastise our children's pets, it's not at all unusual to find our children acting as their comforters. You may even have heard your child explaining patiently, in your own words, the reason for a punishment. You've got to learn not to run out into the street because you could get really hurt, and we'd be so sad if something happened to you. Hearing that might come as the first indication that your child actually understands what you've been saying over and over again, and that your child is beginning to put together the relationship between discipline and care. When pets have accidents, get ill, grow old, or die, we can use these difficult times to help our children discover some very important things, one of them being that a great many sad things happen in life that they are not able to prevent and which they didn't cause. The death of a pet particularly gives us the chance to help our children confront one of the most difficult facts of life, that all living things do die. It's a fact that remains hard for many of us to face all our lives. Children need a lot of help understanding death, and like all of us, need time to grieve. When a pet dies, the understanding of what death means will come only little by little, as will a child's readiness to accept a replacement. My children grew up with a succession of pets, both small and large. Perhaps it was in watching them do so that I began to realize what Mitzi had meant to me. My younger son, John, had a dog called Frisky, who would sleep on his bed. At night, my wife and I could sometimes hear John telling Frisky about his troubles. It was only last year that Frisky died, after a very full and long life. And that sad occasion made me think back once again on all the growing up Mitzi and I had shared. No doubt in time, John will have another dog. Perhaps that next one will someday help his children grow. Thank you for joining us here this week in the neighborhood. Music featured on the podcast today was Nouvelle Noel by Kevin McLeod. Special thanks to my friends at the At Mr. Rogers Say community on Twitter. 
I'm your host, Rick Lee James. My personal Twitter account is at Rick Lee James, and my website is rickleejames.com. My other podcast is Voices in My Head, the Rick Lee James podcast, and I look forward to being with you again next time. Until we meet again, remember, you make each day a special day. You know how? By just your being you. There's only one person like you in the whole world, and people can like you exactly as you are. And just as a little surprise for those of you that waited until the very end of the show today, I'm just going to go ahead and play my new song for you so you can hear it. And if you like it, it's called Shine a Light in the Darkness by Rick Lee James. That's me. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music, Amazon, all of those places. If you like it, I hope you go listen to it some more. Thanks for listening to Welcome to the Neighborhood, the Mr. Rogers Tribute Podcast.